2: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Hey, everyone. Hi. Just a few quick announcements at the top of the show for mm-hmm. some upcoming live shows we and, have. And here they come.
4: First, we are doing a live show in L.A. on November 9th at The Ruby. And we are covering Home Alone with guest Tamara
3: Yejia. She is the best awesome and this is our last show at that location because the Ruby is moving to a different spot mm-hmm. so you don't want to miss this show it's very special and it's the last time we're doing a live show at that specific spot and if you don't come we'll set an elaborate booby trip and
0: you'll <laughs> be upset <laughs> also uh, because
4: today's episode is uh, Colorado adjacent we want to say we are coming to Colorado specifically Denver ever heard of it so we're gonna be uh, co-headlining a few stand-up shows on November 16th, one at 9 p.m., one at 10 30. They are both at bar max. The 9 p.m. is very close to selling out, so be sure to come to one of those.
3: Also on November 17th, the next day, we are doing a live Bechtelcast show yes. at the Buntport Theater in Denver. We are covering the Santa Claus. Oh my God, I'm so excited! With <laughs> special guest grace thomas the elf is hot
4: so (laughs) if you live in the denver area please come out we would love 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 to see you
3: and uh grace is incredible so yeah tickets and details for all of those shows denver and la are on Bechtelcast.com and click on the live tab see you there enjoy the episode
1: on the Bechdel cast, the
4: questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast.
3: Start changing it with the Bechdel
0: cast.
3: Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. Ooh, ooh it's Halloween!
4: <laughs> that, was my, that was my very clever way of... Uh, people, people pay me to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, my name is Jamie Loftus. Oh, 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 sorry. Ooh. And, ooh. and this is the Bechtel Cast, podcast about women in movies.
3: That's right. Yes, we use the Bechtel test mm-hmm. as a jumping off point, which mm-hmm. is a media metric, uh, created by cartoonist Alison Alfred, yeah. also called the Bechtel Wallace test. Scary, it is very scary because what it is. It's a media metric that requires that two female identifying characters with names talk to each other about something other than a ghost <laughs> who is a man oh I I a man, oh, man.
4: I, this is electric i feel my blood at the surface of my
3: skin can we demo the test yeah let's do it uh, hey jamie hey caitlin uh, all work and no play uh-huh. makes Caitlyn a doll woman. I'm going to hit you with a bat. Ah! It's violent, but it passes. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike,
4: well, actually, can we say that? Unlike the Unlike movie we're covering today's today. today's movie. <laughs> what if someone was just like, oh, they
0: spoiled
4: it at the beginning. <laughs> That's my favorite criticism of our podcast. We're like, oh, they said it at the beginning, so why would I keep fucking listening? I'm like, I guess you're just not the demo.
3: Wait, have people had that criticism
4: before? Yeah, I read all the iTunes oh, reviews. Please geez. please leave a nice one.
3: Please do. Please leave a nice this one. This Halloween season, <laughs> please pay it forward. Be kind. <laughs> Be kind to each other this Halloween no season. No tricking or tr- only treating just for treat. us. Just treats us, please. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, we're talking about The Shining mm-hmm. today, and we have an incredible guest. We certainly do. She is a comedian. She's hilarious. We love her. She's about to move to New York City. Ever, Ever heard, heard of, of it? Of it. Uh, so we had to get her on before she moves.
4: New York listeners, welcome her with open arms.
3: It's Corey Johnson. Hi. What's up, babe? Hi. Hi.
0: Welcome. Here. I'm here.
3: Red Rum.
4: Red rum. It's red rum season. It's red rum season. No, it's not. Be,
3: be Don't don't red rum each other. No. Right. Uh, okay, so we're talking about The Shining. Yes. Stanley Kubrick, 1980. Yes. Wow. Corey, what is your history relationship with the movie? Have you read the book? Read the, read the book so I could understand the movie in mm-hmm.
0: general and just compare them. I like the book better, but then also... The, the, the cinematography of the movie oh, is really um, amazing, great. vibrant, captivating. And it's just, you, you said 1980. I don't know how he still looks, Jack Nicholson still looks so old. <laughs> or oh, am I talking about the wrong I, movie? No, oh, you right, are okay.
4: No, it's like I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was just like, how old is he in this movie? And he's like in his 40s. He looks like, like 60. But it's he crazy. looks like hell. He looks bad. But maybe that just means he's doing a good job. Job,
0: yeah. I don't think that was like let's his acting, but yeah. Spin let's spin it to a happen. compliment. Yeah. Yeah, he sure. looks
4: like hell. But you know, Jack sorry, Torrance Jack's gonna hear this not... and
0: he's gonna be livid. So <sighs> Jack I'll is
4: Cora. I didn't mean to tell you this, but Jack contributes to our Patreon, and <laughs> our we really need that five
0: dollars. <laughs> we really need it. <laughs> Times are tough. Okay, my bad. Didn't know. Didn't get the. Sorry, disclaimer. Jack. Sorry, Jack. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, Jack. Fuck. <laughs>
4: There's actually, this is a, a bit of a tangent at the beginning, cancel me, but friend of the pod, Mary Houlihan, just mm-hmm. wrote a very funny show that people should see if they're in the area. She's New York-based, but it's called Me and Jack, and it's this fictional account of how she dated Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson <laughs> is too busy playing his PS4 to pay attention oh to her. Oh, my God. It's wow. really funny. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah. I'll check Honestly, it out. Honestly, that sounds good. It's, it's really very good. Jamie-esque. That's um, up Jamie's alley. You it's know? really good. I enjoyed so it. <laughs> the grin on Jamie's face right now, I cannot explain I'm it. I'm still laughing. She's still, still smiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you read the book. Read the book. You've seen the movie. Seen the movie a couple times. Cool. I like the movie. I don't know what mm-hmm. else to say. Shelley Duvall's teeth um, oh. will be licked by me one day. She's alive, right? She's she still is. alive. She okay, very is. cool. I tweeted right. about it, so I had to say it.
3: And
0: <laughs> that's the rule. That's or you the rule.
3: <laughs> What's your history with it, Caitlin? Uh I have not read the book, which makes me nervous to talk about this movie in particular because I feel like. I don't know Stephen King heads out there are like Stephen King and then when we do a movie adapted from a book and you know every what I'm trying to say is listeners. Remember that we're not a book podcast. We're not an it's adaptation not, podcast. I still
4: am suffering from whiplash from Lord of the Rings Ugh. over a year ago. Oh my where
3: I'm just like, listen, it's a free podcast. Take it or leave it. Okay. <laughs> right. Relax. So I have not read the book. I have seen the movie a fair number of times. I would say mm. probably like six or seven times throughout my life. And I like it. I like did the movie. <laughs> I oh I my god. god. I did not <laughs> mean, I did not see that coming. I did not mean to say it like that. I'm embarrassed. Uh but I do enjoy the, the movie. Mm-hmm. You have not pronounced anything correctly
0: today, Jamie.
4: Shyamalan? I was getting so nervous because we have to say
0: you and McGregor. You couldn't say you and McGregor. McGregor. You also couldn't name. say Stanley Kubrick. I can't either. Is it
4: Kubrick? Is it
0: Q- Kubrick? I'm Kubrick. not sure. Rick. I've and always. Then, said and Kubrick. then you just pulled out that last one. That one last Shyamalan. one. I'm my Mulan.
4: Well, clearly I'm a fuck up. <laughs>
0: No, it's adorable.
4: But you're a fan of the movie, Kayla. Yes. Okay. I saw this movie on my first day of college. I had like a cool college roommate who was like, there's a little movie theater I know about in the corner of Boston. And I was like, how? Like, we just (laughs) got here. But she just had that like, cool person instinct. Mm. And she found a screening of The Shining. And I went and I went to college with no knowledge of like cinema Mm -hmm. per se I'd seen a lot of movies but I hadn't seen much cinema (laughs) um and I really liked it and Mm -hmm. it was like it became one of my faves for a little while I've like seen the documentaries and then oh room 237 yeah that's a great
3: that's a great dog I had to stop because it made me so furious
4: (laughs) it was yeah and then and then uh and then in recent years I have like learned more about stanley kubrick don't ask me i
0: already made fun of you and i don't even know how to say
4: i you know drag me but i i've learned more about him i've watched documentaries about him specifically i've watched some of his older stuff and now i'm just like it's a beautiful movie but i don't love it
3: mm-hmm. sure yeah let's dive in to the recap shall we yes
4: you can yes. interject in the recap and them's the rules
3: absolutely <laughs> all right so jack torrance played by jack nicholson he gets a job looking after this huge hotel, the Overlook Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, which is nestled into the Rocky Mountains, and he needs to look after it over the winter when they close because of the harsh weather. Right.
4: Because, it, and this is in Colorado,
3: right? Colorado, Colorado yes. I had no idea where it was, thank God.
4: It's <laughs> the rare Stephen King point that doesn't could... take place in Maine. In Maine, Maine right? Yeah. Oh,
3: mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And it's very secluded, it's very isolated. Yeah, the opening it's...
0: sequence, they're driving, this might not be funny to anyone but me, they're <laughs> driving through the mountains to get there, or whatever, and the YouTube video that uh, they used to have <laughs> back in the day where the car's driving and then they scare you, you know what I'm talking about? Yes! Huh. One. The one. jump, the, like, the literally the infamous, jump scare. Yeah, it looks just like that, and I was like, oh. do I turn it off? I was really stoned, but it was like, do I turn <laughs> it off?
4: I didn't realize until I'd seen The Shining like three times that that's the clip that you're, it's like, watch the car. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the car. Is that with the clip I'm pretty sure it
3: is. Or it's like a very like a similar Nissan car. <laughs> and then the devil comes out and is <laughs> like, oh. So someone like edited in like a scary thing. You have to watch yeah. it after, big can't ha- believe you big Halloween energy.
4: Now that you're saying it, it might be a Nissan commercial. <laughs>
0: I really think it is. Think it's like a red Nissan Ultima, but it's fine. I think we can
4: consider this relevant
0: discussion. Yes, <laughs> I
3: think so. So the manager of the Overlook Hotel tells jack about this winter caretaker from a few years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's like just so you know he did axe murder his wife and two young daughters but jack is like so don't worry that won't happen to me
0: he goes i love being alone he says he's like no i got this i like being this alone he's so,
3: yeah yeah. yep yep (laughs) the ego because he's going to be there working on a writing project. That's right. what tempts him about taking this job where he's going to be in isolation. Uh, but he will be there with his family. Um, his wife. His Wendy. wife. Mm-hmm. Wendy. And their <laughs> young Duvall. son. Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. And their young son, Danny.
4: <laughs> also named Danny Lloyd plays Danny. So oh, just yeah. Some really one-to-ones with the character names.
3: Mm-hmm. Although uh, Mr. Uh, Halloran's name is not scatman crothers which is
4: which is a shame
3: (laughs) it should this character should just be called scatman crothers
4: yeah why make it easier for jack and danny and the rest of the cast has to remember a different name right it's almost like they have to act (laughs) upsetting
3: so the thing about danny is that he's got this kind of like Imaginary friend? Question mark? Mm-hmm. Tony? Tony Soprano? Oh, Tony! Soprano. <laughs> I thought maybe Tony Shalhoub. Oh, that'd be mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Tony Soprano going to
0: little therapy sessions inside of
4: oh, Danny's sure, mouth.
3: Sure, sure. For me,
0: it's Tony Bennett, and that's
4: all. Canonically,
3: The Sopranos takes place inside of
0: <laughs> Danny
4: Torrance's mouth.
3: That's what happens at the end. They pull out. <laughs> Like at the end of Don't Men Stop. in Black when they just like, when it's the world, yeah. is, the galaxy is just like a marble. It's the same thing. They do Don't Stop Believing and then
4: it cuts to black. But if you keep watching, it zooms out.
0: <laughs> it's mouth.
3: Oh, my God. Candy. So he's got this person... Tony, who, like, mm. lives in his finger or his mouth. It's the mouth, but he talks to his finger. But his he talks finger. to his yeah. finger. Right. But it all also might be this, like, kind of clairvoyant possession, which we'll learn about a little later on. So the family arrives at the hotel, and they're shown around. Mr. Halloran, a.k.a. Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. shows him some stuff. And then creepy shit starts happening right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Danny sees the ghost of these two little girls, Danny also has this psychic connection with Mr. Halloran, and he is like, hey, Danny... We have this connection. I also had it with my grandmother. She called it The Shining. And we're like, hey, that's <gasps> the name of the movie. Like, wow. And you're like, and that's why they call it that. Right. And, and then, then you get excited. Then you're like, of... I'm in here. I'm in. I'm in.
4: And then mm-hmm. it kind of never
0: comes back. Like but the word? Name check. Yeah. The Shining. They got mm-hmm. that out of the way early. And I do like that, actually. Because when yeah. it's towards the end of the movie, it, like they try to make it. When yeah. is he going
4: to say, yeah. and that's one million ways to die
3: <laughs> in the West? <laughs> Does that happen in that movie? No. No. <laughs> what if that was the last no. line of the movie? Loose <laughs> day. Yeah, we're something in the water. one today. Okay. <laughs> So Danny and Mr. Halloran have this whole conversation about Tony and how he shows Danny things and how the Overlook Hotel is messed up and bad things happen there. And then Danny asks about room 237 and Mr. Halloran's like, nothing happened there. Everything's fine. And don't go in that room. So, a month passes, and the family has settled in. Jack is trying to figure out what to write about. Mm -hmm. uh, Relatable. And then He's doing a packet. He's He's literally... He's applying to Corden, and he's 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 like, Oh, my God. I can't think
4: of any web segments. This is hard. (laughs) Monologue jokes are
3: hard. (laughs) This is niche humor.
4: (laughs) You know. Right.
3: A Corden Um, packet. So then... (laughs) Jack also seems a bit stir crazy because he's, like, flinging a tennis ball against the walls. So hard. so Loud.
0: So hard, loud, so yeah. loud. And, yeah. like, I don't have – it was stressing me out. I was, like, every single time the arm power that man has. Anyway, just an observation. <laughs> oh, it comes back he's with got a the lot axe. Ax. He's got, yeah. yeah,
3: they're setting it up. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this enormous hedge maze that Wendy and Danny walk through for fun, you know. And we're like, oh, they're setting it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plant and payoff, baby. Oh, yeah. Then Danny rides around on his big wheel through the hotel. And then he rides past room 237. And he's like, yikes. Scary. But then he rides away. And, and he's a coward. <laughs> he's a coward. What a pussy. <laughs> 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 and- <laughs> It's at this point when Jack starts being especially emotionally abusive and his mental state is... Starting to unravel. Really, the second people leave, he drops the act and right. becomes an abuser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We'll talk all about it. Mm. It starts to snow outside. The phone lines go down. So Wendy radios the, I think it's like the parks department nearby or so, mm. something. Yeah. Some, uh, some like vague, unhelpful entity. Entity, yeah. yeah. And they're like, Psh, yeah, the phone lines are going to be down till spring. So then Danny sees the ghost twins again. And they're like, come play with us, Danny, forever and ever and ever. And then all that poor little kitty looks so scared. He's so scared because he also sees a a vision of them having been ax murdered. Right. And the halls are all bloody and he freaks out, understandably so. And Jack is getting even creepier and more unhinged. He tells Wendy about a nightmare he had where he killed her and Danny and chopped them up into little bits. Mm -hmm. Then Wendy notices some bruises on Danny's neck, and she thinks that Jack hurt their son. And Jack is like, I I don't
4: know. Uh, Right. And then at this point, we already know that he's... Like, hit Danny in the past. Right, because yeah. he
3: goes to the gold room to blow off some steam because it's, like, this loungy bar area. And then all yeah. of a sudden, there's a bartender there. And, and there's also a whole party going on. Is that later? Yeah, right. that's a little later. Okay, but there's still a yeah, bartender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack tells this bartender, Lloyd, about this one time when he lost his temper and accidentally hurt Danny a few years ago.
4: Jack Nicholson is great in that scene. It mm. is so scary.
3: Yes. Yeah. His performance overall is quite stunning, I'll say. Wow. She loves him. I <laughs> know. She, she, I, she what can them. I say? He, he's our biggest fan. He loves us. It's true. He gives us $5 every month, $60 <laughs> annually. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendy comes running in frantically to the room and apparently there's this lady in one of the rooms who tried to strangle Danny. Jack's like, what room is it? And then he goes into it and guess what? It's room 237. And there is a young, naked woman, so he naturally starts to make out with her. Right, because you're not, like, confused or, like, no. any, you're like,
0: why is she here? How that... did she get here? You go, oh, no, clearly she, we're going to She's fuck. naked. And, and, so... and every
4: young, naked woman wants to make out with Jack, Jack Nicholson.
3: <laughs> but then, as they're making out, she turns into, like, a rotting zombie lady. Yeah. As also happens every time. It also looks time. really cool. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Older women have
4: to be associated with body horror. Right. right. And just, and just like, yeah, just
3: yeah.
0: gash. Yeah. Just gash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Hot. Spenny. So Jack freaks out. But when he goes back to tell Wendy about it, he's like, I didn't see anything. Not a goddamn thing. And she believes. it. She... she, well... She's like, how did this happen? What about Danny's bruises? And Jack's like, I think. IDK, my BFF Joe." <laughs> He's like, I think Danny did it to himself. And right. Wendy is freaking out. And she's growing increasingly concerned about the safety of her and her son. Mm-hmm. And she wants to get Danny out of there. And Jack does not like this idea. And he yells at her and he storms out. And then this is when Jack goes back to the banquet hall. And it's not full of people who are like ghosts, question mark, from the 1920s. Uh, Right. And one of them is Mr. Grady. He was the caretaker who ax murdered his family. And Grady's like, no, that's not me, Mr. Torrance. You're the caretaker. By the way, your son is being meddlesome and like you should put him (sighs) and your wife in their place. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Danny is trying to telepathically communicate with... Scatman Crothers to get help. <laughs> and Mr. Halloran is like trying to reach the hotel by phone, but he can't get through. Meanwhile, Jack dismantles the radio. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Halloran flies across the country to try to get to them. But the snowstorm it keeps like dumping down snow everywhere. Right. Mr. Halloran is. The realist. He He's comes such so
0: clutch friend. for yeah. almost no re- like It's I'm just, like, just I, the shining I, thing. It's like, well, that kid he and knows,
3: I have a well, lot. He, yeah. he knows the sordid history. Yeah. He was in like Miami or something. Yeah, yeah, he was in Florida. He goes
4: a long way, yeah. He
3: spends all of that money on a plane ticket. Just He's a, a good man. He is. Good oh, what man. a nice guy. <laughs> he lives in the book. Uh, <laughs> so, th- so then um, Wendy finds the manuscript that Jack mm. has been working on all this time and it's famously pages and pages of all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. It's a cordon packet. <laughs> That's my cordon packet. That's my
0: cordon
4: packet <laughs> I turned in. And
0: you know what? I'm staffed. Congratulations. I got good? it. <laughs>
4: he loved it. I got it. <laughs>
3: wow. Uh, congratulations. Um so then Jack approaches her as she's like looking at his incredible comedy writing and <laughs> At this point, he is completely unhinged and he's screaming at her. She's terrified of him. She's swinging a baseball bat. She's good. She's defending herself. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. She manages to hit him on the head and then she drags his unconscious body uh, to the kitchen and then locks him up in like this pantry storage room. I liked how obvious it was that
4: they used a stunt jack because they cut. (laughs) all the way away. Like Jack did, Jack Nicholson was like I'm not even going to start to fall. <laughs> and then cut to stunt Jack who like eats shit oh, the the like, and stairs. Way. And then you're like and there's Jack again who gently walked down the stairs and laid <laughs> <laughs> laid himself
3: down, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm so then she goes outside to the like snow cat snowmobile vehicle to try to escape but jack has cut the wires and the tubes and everything Mm -hmm. so she's trapped there and danny is yelling about red rum which spoiler murder backwards okay you didn't have to ruin that for us caitlin (laughs) jesus so sorry so sorry
0: it's
4: like telling you who is the masked singer (laughs) You simply don't do it.
3: (laughs) Forgive me. Forgive me. Jack, somehow, we don't totally understand how, gets out of the storage room. Maybe Mr. Grady the ghost lets him out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he starts chopping down the door of Wendy's room with an axe. And then he's like, here's Johnny. Wendy grabs Danny and they try to escape out the window. But then this is when Mr. Halloran shows up and... Jack goes after him, murders him with an axe, and then Jack is chasing after Danny, who runs into the maze. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wendy's back in the hotel looking for Danny, and she sees a furry giving a blowjob to someone. Which I totally forgot about. (laughs) always forget about that scene. (laughs) What? Not sure. I don't think there's
0: any, I mean... uh, Does that happen in the book? No.
4: So Stanley Kubrick's just like... Lol, random humor. <laughs>
0: I, it absolutely does not happen
4: in the. Not book. sure. I. This is one of those movies where I'm like a million people are going to be our mentions. Like the furry obviously meant, but like. <laughs> I couldn't make heads or tails
3: of it. Nor could I. I okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> hey, oh, just tails. Huh. He- oh, Funny. Uh... Wow, that's going in the cordon yeah, packet. In the, <laughs> <corn> <laughs> packet. <laughs> in the packet it goes. <laughs> So then Jack chases after Danny in the maze and he's following Danny's tracks in the snow. Danny, at one point, he backtracks a little bit and then he hides his tracks and then Jack gets lost. Danny manages to get back out of the maze. He and Wendy escape in the snow vehicle that Scatman Crothers arrived in Mm -hmm. and then we catch to the following morning. Jack has frozen to death and then we see a photo of him from 1921 that he is in leaving a lot open to interpretation inspiring
4: a million annoying youtube videos (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just a whole genre of speculative (laughs) bullshit that i don't sorry helen yeah would you agree when i say that jack torrance isn't your average person yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Well, I know something about an average person. So tell me. <laughs> well, Also, uh, for, for everyone who isn't Jack Torrance out there, the average person spends one third of their life sleeping and not awake and killing people like Jack <laughs> Torrance. So you should be comfortable while you're sleeping all that time, right? Right. Well, that's where Casper comes in. Did wow. you see that coming? <laughs> Jack <laughs> Torrance really could
3: have solved it. If he had had Casper, I think. Well, I mean, and too bad this episode isn't about Casper, Mm -hmm. the friendly little boy ghost movie.
4: With all his creepy uncles.
3: (laughs) Right. But this episode is about, of course, The Shining, Mm -hmm. the movie whose sequel is... Dr. Sleep. Oh, wow. Wow. Because, see what I did there? Yeah, I get it. Because Casper is a sleep brand Uh that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time.
4: Are you listening, Jack Torrance? (laughs) I'm kidding. He dies. Casper products are... Cleverly designed to mimic human curves, which provide supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of sink and bounce. Imagine all the, the what do you think the ghosts would use them? You know what?
3: I bet they're in every hotel room at the Overlook Hotel.
4: <laughs> I think things would have ended so differently if only.
3: If only. Right. Casper Mattress had been around. She was. Oh, boy. You know what they also have is a what? breathable design that oh. helps regulate body temperature throughout the night. Nice. So, you know, the ghosts and people alike won't be overheating as they sleep. I worry about ghosts overheating. <laughs> like a car.
4: Casper also, Mm -hmm. Caitlin has affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and they sell directly to you. So they've got hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied and they have the free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. Now to bring this back to The Shining, I would say Jack Torrance really is a middleman and... (laughs)
3: He really biffed it up. (laughs) That's right. That's something to think about. I think that's very positive. Incredible, incredible connection. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Guess what? You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial. And you can get
4: $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash TBC and using TBC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply.
3: That's $100 towards select mattresses at casper.com slash TBC for the Bechtel cast. And use TBC at checkout. <gasps> Sweet
4: dream. Which is something that we never hear Jock Torrance say, which brings us back to what we were just discussing. <gasps> wow. Wow. Tasteful. <laughs> so there's a lot to discuss with this damn movie. There is. Yes. Why don't we start with adaptation stuff because i think that there is like a little more to talk about than normal when it comes to adaptation for this specific i'm really stupid movie. when it comes to the book but i'll
0: try my best yes.
4: don't say
3: that Corey okay. you're i'm so fucking smart when it comes to the, the book. book i might say things that are better
0: than either <laughs> you're <laughs> you're <laughs> de-
4: <laughs> please you're welcome to dunk on us i
0: the one thing that i do remember that's different is sorry if it's cutting in too late instead of him being hit in the head and then being dragged away. Mm-hmm. He had hit his own head climbing oh. over a bar. So he went to go make himself a drink, and he hit his own head and fell, and then she found him and dragged him. Oh, so this oh. makes the movie makes her
3: more active, then. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's, that's interesting.
4: Good. There's also, so I haven't read the book, but I spoiled it for myself. Some things that stuck out to me were, first of all, Stephen King hated the creative deviations made from the book Mm -hmm, to the movie which we'll get into but the few things that stuck out to me and I'm sure that there's other stuff but I guess there's a point in the book where Wendy considers leaving Jack and Danny says no Mm -hmm. I want to stay with him Mm -hmm. and that's why Wendy doesn't leave sooner Mm -hmm. um, or doesn't attempt to leave even after she knows something is very wrong uh, Mr. Halloran is not killed off in the book. Mm. Uh, he helps them escape. And then there's an epilogue that takes place the next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Halloran <laughs> is working in Maine, Stephen mm-hmm. King. Of course. Uh, and he's comforting Danny over the loss of his dad. And Wendy is, like, recuperating from the injuries that Jack <laughs> gave her. And, mm-hmm. like, there, it's like this what weird, dream, sorted. Honestly. Yeah, so they, like, welcome, you know, a a more stable influence into their lives uh, through Mr. Halloran. And they moved to Maine because it's a Stephen King book. I don't usually
0: like uh, happy endings, but I did really like that ending because it is just adorable and good. (laughs) I just really enjoyed it.
4: Um, And it does seem like, and Corey, I mean, let me know if, if you agree. This seemed to be just the way that the book plays out and what Stephen King has to say about it more explicitly about his alcoholism and addiction more so than than the movie. Than like some
0: weird spirit whatever yeah which I I appreciate I agree with you and appreciate more in the sense that I don't know addiction stuff is like really important it just shows a lot more it's more realistic to me I'm only really like like realistic things I mean besides the whole like ghost children and whatever thing (laughs) I like the whole point where it's like oh it's not like a weird like uh, the home doing it it's like, oh, this, this guy is just a, clearly an alcoholic and abusive alcoholic, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. No, it's not okay, but it's like, you know, it just makes more sense to me.
4: It just sure. like grounds it a little. Or, I mean, I I, I don't know. It's weird because like reading what Stephen King has to say about it um, kind of turned me on the movie a little bit, just to know that he is so against the way specifically Wendy's part is written. Mm-hmm. So uh, he gave an interview to, I believe it's The Guardian in 2013 And here's what he has to say. He says, quote, the book's Wendy does have a lot more depth. She's fighting against the revelation, which she's already made before the book starts, that her husband is basically a marginally talented writer who will never really amount to anything because he's filled with rage demons, self-loathing and booze. Wendy feels like her wagon's been hitched, and the book is partly about the way she manages to unhitch herself and her son from an abusive, alcoholic patriarch. So the hotel is like a metaphor or whatever. (laughs) Uh, He said that about his own books. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Great. And and then he later in the same interview describes, he says, oh, sorry, this interview is with the BBC. Mm. I got English publications mixed up. (laughs) Cancel me. Uh, So... He says that uh, the film in general to him seemed too cold. He says, quote, I'm not a cold guy. <laughs> Defensive, oh, okay. okay.
3: Uh, Does he mean cold like literally because it's snowy? Swish. Wow. Put it in the cordon in packet. packet. Ah, we're in. Uh,
4: <laughs> see you later, fellas. I'm off to There, Okay. It's if I don't know, why I am. Uh, I would happily, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Okay. <laughs> Quote, I'm not a cold guy. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things people relate to in my book is this warmth... There's a reaching out and saying to the reader, I want you to be a part of this. With Kubrick's The Shining, I felt that it was very cold, very, we're looking at these people, but they're like ants in an anthill. Aren't they doing interesting things? Shelley Duvall as Wendy is really one of the most misogynist characters ever put on film. She's basically just there to scream and be stupid, and that's not the woman I wrote about, unquote. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dunk. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that is
0: not the woman he wrote about. Which Jesus is interesting,
4: because I like don't even completely... Like I don't even completely agree that Kubrick's Wendy is stupid or. I think she's really powerless. smart. Yeah, she's like really active. And if anything, she's
0: just like she's defensive and kind of just like uh, Stockholm syndrome about her husband. But like, I feel like a lot of women. Are. Is that misogynistic of me to wh- say?
3: well Well, just like being inside of an abusive relationship exactly
4: and him being an
0: addict and having a kid on top yeah that's just how it happens
4: (laughs) and also they are literally trapped Mm yeah so there's but that's uh just for context that is uh the main ways that it deviates from the source material and uh stephen king still does not ride for this movie even 500 years later
3: mm-hmm. also yeah. apparently there's no maze in the book and instead it's like these topiaries oh, that yeah. come yeah. to yeah. life yeah. Yeah. or she 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 something like that <laughs> i forgot I like about that too yeah. yeah i, the maze I is love better. the maze visually this movie is incredible like Astounding. it's so good very well shot this is one of the first movies that used a study cam oh and it uh is awesome i love the Shots, you know, of the the big wheel riding around. Even the the mm. the, the panning in on the on the maze in the
0: beginning. Yeah, Ed, yeah. beautiful.
4: So other stuff that is relevant to the discussion is uh, some behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. So the behind the scenes for this movie is like deep lore. There's that whole documentary, Room 237, about it. The main takeaway is, I mean, Stanley Kubrick did not have an incredible reputation among female actors that he worked with. Mm-hmm. And the most egregious example is how Shelley Duvall felt about her experience with working with him. Uh, So Stanley Kubrick's daughter, he was like, wouldn't let anyone behind the scenes or like document stuff behind the scenes, which uh, red flag, Uh, he was like, I don't want people to remember how I treat other people. (laughs) So cool. Uh, But he let his daughter, who I think was like maybe 20 or 21 at the time, Mm. document some of the behind the scenes. And the full thing is available on YouTube. It's like a half hour long. But you can see where Shelley Duvall has said a number of times that he was verbally abusive to her to allegedly you know get this manic terrified Mm. performance out of her that's fucked but he was like yelling at her all the time, discrediting her, saying she wasn't doing a good job. Just uh he made her do the take with the here's Johnny and then Shelley has the axe mm. mm. 127 times. Holy shit. The most documented takes <laughs> of any like oh my God. A- of a- anywhere recorded. Uh-huh. um and there's like first hand footage from Stanley Kubrick's daughter of him yelling at her mm-hmm. on set her cry like her crying mm-hmm. on set and no one's doing anything to help and so she had a really bad experience with him and was vocal about it even I mean at the time and then for years after and it wasn't until maybe the past 10 years that people have taken that literal firsthand footage seriously yeah. of mistreating mm-hmm. uh, female actors because you also see him work with jack nicholson and he is not treated that way yep. mm-hmm. and so i mean it definitely speaks to the culture um on stanley kubrick's set I, it also i'm i'm sure has a lot to do with the era of i mean she was making her out to be like hysterical and like well if you're doing a better job i mm-hmm. wouldn't be treating you this way mm-hmm. um So that is, I think, an important piece of context specifically to Shelley Duvall. And the reviews for this movie at the time don't mention her performance literally at all. You know, it's so
3: good. So it's just, it's really frustrating that entire piece. I also read that his mistreatment of her gave her such horrible stress that she became physically ill for months and her hair was falling out Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I've also heard stories and take this with a grain of salt because I didn't do enough reading up on this. So this is sort of just like anecdotal stuff I've heard over the years, but that he Mm -hmm. treated Scatman Crothers the same way. Having him do dozens and dozens and dozens of takes of the same shot and interesting, his only non-white cast member. He would be like, "What do you want me to do differently? Like, please, just like tell me, like, how can I make this the take that you want?" And Stanley Kubrick's just like, "Do it again." It's just it's like incredibly. I I I hadn't read that. That's like incredibly (laughs) frustrating and
4: still a problem. That it's like there's an anecdote from fucking the joker movie of just like (sighs) shit that white male leads can get away with on Mm -hmm. set that their co-stars just can't we're like it came out at the time of recording the other day where you know joaquin phoenix is allowed to go totally method Mm -hmm. so he's just being a fucking dick to everyone Mm -hmm. and making everyone's who's making you know 0.5 percent of what he's making (laughs) he's just making their lives way more difficult except for robert de niro who he was very well behaved with Uh and turned his character on and off demonstrating Uh almost like it's not necessary and he just (laughs) enjoys being horrible to people right so i mean it's it's something that still happens but this is like a i think a particularly egregious example of like abuse of power in a director's role Absolutely. so that is bad and also not for nothing stanley kubrick has a uh, not a, an incredible record of uh female characters in his films either oh no uh, <laughs> he uh <laughs> put it in the and packet <laughs> so, he uh doesn't seem to
0: prioritize female characters literally at all um, Is no. there one woman in Full Metal Jacket?
3: Oh, that <laughs> the, might be one she's of those the Full movies Metal jacket. <laughs> <laughs> the full
0: jacket.
3: Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> oh no, that's the movie that famously uh, has that very like racist portrayal of like Vietnamese oh, sex Vietnamese workers. that's me- like those are I've the seen, only women the
0: too. I swear, literally, right, I've seen it in a million times. I think those are the only women. Yes, uh,
4: and as. As far as I know, on his in his filmography or whatever his canonical filmography, the only movie he ever makes with a female lead is Lolita.
0: Oh, <laughs> and
4: I can speak to that's one of the I've I've seen I've I've seen a bunch of his movies, but I think that The Shining and Lolita are the two that I've seen the most mm-hmm. because that is. I mean, it's obviously super controversial work to begin with, but it has been adapted horrendously both times it was attempted. And yeah, Kubrick fucking (laughs) botches it. And the only time, and and then, you know, that's in 1962. And he's like, I know what I'll do. Never make a movie about a woman again. (laughs) Uh, So that, and then then the last little piece of the context corner that I'll kick in here is that, this movie or the screenplay is co-written uh, with a female author. Yes, which you oh, know, oh. give him a little, give him a little point at the end. Uh, she was a well-known novelist at this time but she had never written a screenplay before this is diane johnson diane johnson say her name but yeah so diane johnson uh i guess kubrick uh her work was brought to his attention he liked it he thought she would be a good collaborator on it and she wrote uh an essay about it uh last year on a film journal called scraps from the loft and by all accounts, it seemed like she had a lovely time working with him. So, okay. you know, it's, it's so all over the place. So he didn't scream at
3: her and make her cry all the time and make her hair fall out?
4: Nope. He'd, okay. Nope. As far as we know, anyway. You know, we I know. Don't
0: say, you know, yeah, some but, things are unspoken. But as
4: of But as of 2018, I mean, she describes him being like he was kind of notoriously a weird guy, but right. not like... Uh, is he dead? An abusive. He's dead. He's, he's for dead. sure, dead. <laughs> he's so dead.
0: Okay. As long as he's like fully dead, <sighs> I, didn't I, did you know, I didn't know. I didn't know.
4: So, anyways, that's the. It's it's a deep context corner, but but yes. there it is. No, thank you very much. That's no, all, that's...
3: very helpful. So let's get into the narrative, the characters. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> here's. Oh, here's she's where going. I'm off. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Ready? Monologue. Go. <laughs> I... <laughs> I would argue that there could be a feminist read of this movie in the same way that there can be a feminist read of Rosemary's Baby. For example, a movie okay. that we did talk about, where even though the female character, because there is really only one, unless you count the Two twins naked, axe murdered, or a naked lady, mm. the f- one female character in the movie who has any narrative significance is not empowered. But I feel like the movie it shows the horrors of being a victim of abuse Mm -hmm. and in this movie unlike rosemary's baby she is triumphant in the end and she gets away from her abuser and i think that most of the horror in this movie doesn't come from any of the like supernatural blood gushing out of the elevator Mm -hmm. like none of that stuff really affected me the stuff that affects me is like the abuse that she endures so i chose to to watch this movie on my second rewatch through the lens of just her being in an abusive re- relationship and I found that like all the supernatural ghost and psychic stuff and all that stuff ends up just sort of being metaphors for the horrors that take place when someone is in an abusive relationship.
4: Right. I think that that is the intention. Yes. Good. Um, I
3: did a good job. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
4: yeah, I, I, I agree with you to, to an extent. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's tricky. It's, I think that it, ends up kind of coloring my read of it a little bit when we know that they were given more with the source material and chose not to use it. Sure. Feels telling in some ways, but she does, I mean, she certainly has a lot of agency. um, I mean, especially as the story goes on. It's weird. I mean, it 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 does sort of speak to a lot of like the hallmarks of being in an abusive relationship, where she's saying one thing, but it's very clear that she's scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a lot of examples of her appeasing him to protect herself and to protect and her Danny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's. Horrifying, and I feel like there have been some, because there was, after Stephen King, like, shat upon the movie, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there was sort of this avalanche of clickbait, or thoughtful film commentary depending on how you read it <laughs> sure that was agreeing with him but i feel like the uh, in, in a lot of that where they're like well she she's made out to be you know dumb and she why doesn't she leave and i'm like well that's the victim blaming i don't see that, stuff that up, yeah, I right. see that at all yeah i didn't see that at all yeah so i mean i th- i think her care and especially shelly duvall does an amazing job because she you can tell she's lying for the most part and you right. can tell that she's like physically afraid of him and we have reason to be physically afraid of him and we know that the whole movie Mm -hmm. which is just like yeah Yeah.
3: well I did kind of like a beat by beat sort of breakdown all the story beats that relate to the abusive relationship so I just kind of want to like go through them and like just sort of analyze it a bit Um, so the first thing you kind of realize is that Wendy seems to be doing all of the parenting of Danny so Jack is very hands off he's for, focused on his job mm-hmm. both in his hotel duties which he doesn't ever end up actually doing and Wendy does all yep. of it because she's the one who's like checking the phone lines checking the boilers checking so he can focus the on his voltage the, yeah. right and he because he's focusing on his cordon packet <laughs> <laughs> so many great carpool spin. karaoke
0: is fucking hard so
3: it's not easy to write <laughs> It's so not easy. he's not really paying attention to, to Danny at all. She's doing all of the emotional labor of parenting. Was this the dynamic of many American families throughout most of history? Yes. But that was like the first thing I noticed. Sure. Um, Toward the beginning Wendy brings him breakfast uh, which she has made him eggs just the way he likes sunny side up and then he, meanwhile he has slept until like 11:30 she's presumably been up for hours like mm. taking care of their son he expresses no regret at all he's no. like oh weird that I slept so late right and then yeah no also no gratitude that she like made him and brought him breakfast and then she says oh it's a nice day would you take me for a walk after you finish breakfast and he responds I need to get some writing done first. So they don't hang out. She instead goes on a walk through the maze with Danny. A little while later, Jack is typing at his typewriter and then Wendy comes in and she's like, hey, how's it going? Have you gotten a lot written today? And then he basically starts berating her, saying like, you're interrupting me. You're breaking my concentration. Please get the fuck out. He's ripping up paper. He's throwing them. He's like having a tantrum. And this is like, I think maybe the first time that you see hints that he's like a scary, violent, unhinged, yeah. abusive person. I always used to read his behavior as, like, being the result of being in isolation and the, like, creepy hotel ghost stuff, like, getting to him and haunting him. Yeah. But this time I read it as he's always been emotionally abusive it has nothing to do with the hotel. He's just a horrible person, and the creepy stuff in the hotel is just like metaphors for him being right and a then, horrible and abuser.
4: And it was like the fact that they set that up at the beginning and say that this has happened so many times. times it ago. sets up like the abuse cycle as mm-hmm. a metaphor.
0: Wow, and I uh, of it. wow. Uh, someone who doesn't know how to look into things like that uh, I'm like oh it looks really pretty the movie is gorgeous and then you guys say that I'm like oh yeah people movies mean things it's I
1: I mean but then sometimes
4: they don't sometimes they have Uh, also impact of snow dogs I (laughs) (laughs) uh, but it is like they set up the idea at the beginning of the movie that if an already angry rage filled man is
3: left in isolation that they will become violent Mm -hmm. yeah then we see that scene where he's, like, yelling in his sleep and then he wakes up from his nightmare and he's like, oh, my God, I, I had this awful dream where I killed you and Danny and chopped you up into bits. And, like, he's expressing remorse, which I took as, like, being symbolic of, like, when abusers it's say to their partners, chaotic. like, oh, my God, I'm, I just got angry. It'll never happen again. Please don't leave me. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then uh, shortly after that, we have the scene where he reveals to the bartender that he's accidentally one time he quote accidentally lost his temper mm. and hurt oh, Danny. He says,
4: uh, he says he had a momentary loss of muscular coordination, yes. which is just
3: like the, a very well written piece of fuckery. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then this is also when he starts to be vocal about how he blames Wendy for ruining his life. For, like, his mind Turning yeah. him into this loser kind of person. Right. He says something like, oh, that bitch will not let me forget what happened as long as three I Three years ago. Like, it's yeah. just like, three, three years, years ago? ago. That's... <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Then Wendy comes running in and says, you know, there's a crazy woman in one of the rooms. She tried to strangle Danny. And then his Jack's first response is, are you out of your fucking mind? So he doesn't believe her. She keeps telling him about it. And then he goes to investigate. And this is when he makes out with... Uh, young lady and then corpse lady Um, and then when he comes back he lies to Wendy about what happened and then accuses Danny of giving himself his own uh, bruises Mm -hmm. even though I think that's one of the more confusing parts of the movie to me that's like where and I don't know exactly
4: if this deviates from the book but that's the one point where it didn't Totally track for me Wendy's thought process because I just don't. It's she already knows she doesn't trust her husband, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to her son. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that that's the one point in the narrative where I'm like I don't understand why you would take him at his word for that. Well, it's like
0: I feel like if anything it's like everyone in that situations in denial about it. It's almost as right. if like he's even being like, "Oh no, he did it to himself." Cuz it in a way it's also a metaphor of like the abuse part cuz a lot totally. of a lot of abusers are like, "Oh no, they just did this because they did this." And you're like, "Yeah, no, they did
3: it to themselves." For sure. I also yeah. read it as like <laughs> Wendy making excuses just for like oh well survival instinct exactly the way that a lot of abuse victims have to do for self-preservation um so that's how i read that uh and then right after that whenever wendy's like we've got to get danny out of here and then jack freaks the fuck out and he's like oh it's so typical of you to create a problem like this where you know i ch- finally have the chance to accomplish something and you've fucked up my life and i let you fuck it up but i'm not going to do that anymore so now he's like gaslighting her blaming her for all of his problems the scene that uh was most jarring and felt like most
4: that metaphor really hit for me is she so right after that she hits him on the head yeah and he falls she drags him and then after he's locked in the kitchen like freezer, whatever, yeah, yeah. and he's trying to convince her to let him out. And that Ooh, yes. mental manipulation wow. scene where yes. you keep where you keep cutting back to like him fully like laughing at like the fact that she's starting to believe that he could be telling the truth. Right. And then she like stands her ground and she's like, Sorry, but I'm leaving mm-hmm. and I'm taking our son and like you're not gonna be able to hurt us anymore. And then, you know, like the reveal to her i guess that he's really never going to change and that right
3: so yeah what happens there he tries three different tactics first he's like just irate and screaming saying get me the fuck out of here like open this door she doesn't comply Mm -hmm. uh the second tactic is oh no you i think you really hurt me on my head Mm -hmm. i need a doctor trying to like appeal to her more nurturing sensibilities also doesn't work she doesn't fall for it Mm -hmm. and then she's like i'm going i'll bring a doctor back that's what she tells him who knows i imagine that she probably would have just gotten the hell out of there and never come back so she's like i'm leaving i'll bring a doctor back and then he's like you're not going anywhere i snipped all those wires for that snow vehicle um which I think both him cutting the wires of the snowcat and he dismantles the radio earlier on, I think, is a metaphor for when abusers cut off communication uh, for, sure. for victims. Early yeah. on, yep, absolutely.
4: It's loaded. And then it is like... The fact that she is triumphant is kind mm-hmm. of especially for like this era. And I guess we we like Stephen King gets the credit for this because that was, you know, she escapes in the story as well. But like that seems like kind of like a uncharacteristically like kind of cool, like, oh she got <laughs> she got out. <laughs> like and he and he, you know, quote unquote got his mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. for for treating them that way. Yeah. But yeah, they're watching it with that in mind is like I understand Stephen King's criticisms, and I think that there is sometimes something to be said for like if it takes you five viewings to get there, you know. I mean, some people view that as like, oh, it's so deep, and uh, and you can also view it as like, how clear should things be yeah, exactly. in movies? Right. But I guess you know. I, I, I'm, I don't fall any particular
3: place there. But I didn't notice that the first five or six times I watched it. I mean, same. I was taking right. it pretty much at face value in terms sure. of like, the hotel's haunted. As someone who's watched it 15 times, half of the things you said I never considered. So... <laughs>
4: Not even once. Right, so unless, it's like nice. how I mean that that's like a more
3: existential artiste question we'll have right. to ask, and we also Gordon. might be giving <laughs> because we're doing this like feminist read of it. Maybe we're giving everything too much credit. Like I don't I'm do really know. very
4: like leery to give Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick credit mm-hmm. too much. I'm, but it seems like a, at least a little is owed here. But I would also say that Diane Johnson. Um, was there was yeah like she and she um has a pretty good track record with like um she'd written a number of like feminist novels prior to this Mm -hmm. so there's that and 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 it's like in the dna of stephen king's story that she's triumphant and and a lot of the metaphors were Mm -hmm. like in the book yeah so Hmm. i'm gonna just not hand it to kubrick sure (laughs) <laughs> and hand it to the other two people sure, 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 um but yeah i think it is like very and the performance like deserves a lot of credit too because it was like god it was incredible i don't i think it's absolutely it was not necessary to abuse her to get that performance no I, she's I know. given they a number of, of great out, uh, performances
3: but um yeah shelley duvall d- kills it yeah that um, said though there, there were moments where i'm like the way like she's running with a knife kind of flailing it around and it kind of it i don't know it just read to me as like a come on can't can't she be a little i don't like victim i don't even blaming. know what i'm <laughs> well that's yeah. what I'm, uh, it's now that I'm it's hard it's hard yeah <laughs> because well then i i like sat down and thought about it i was like no like she has been emotionally abused the whole time we've seen them interact on screen together he's being abusive so like sh- you know i'm like She's holding that bat so stupidly. But then but also, like, like, if I, you know, if any of us were, like, yeah, I wouldn't have victims, perfect form on Right, her. like, I, I would that, be so scared that I, would, I couldn't yeah, do anything.
0: Even not scared, I can't hold a fucking bat. What are you talking about?
4: It would have it been, like, I mean, and I, it would have been cathartic to see her be, like, dope with weapons. But I feel like that would have been, like, a Mary Sue move. Right. Because given what we know about her life, the fact that she hasn't really been allowed to have ambitions or hobbies that we know of outside of being a wife and a mother... It doesn't make sense, right? Um, exactly. And I, I mean, wish she did
0: softball on the weekends and there yeah.
4: that see if they had been like, <laughs> well maybe if you weren't softballing <laughs> so much,
3: then it wouldn't have. Then I would have been pissed about the bat thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I think we've been trained as like movie watchers to see these like strong female protagonists who are actually criminally underwritten and like when they suddenly like against all odds manage to like kick someone's ass even if it doesn't make sense for their character we're like but we're like woohoo a woman being triumphant yay we love to see it but in a lot of cases it it wouldn't have actually happened that way Mm -hmm. yeah i was and and that's like something that
4: even in the time we've been doing this podcast i'm like oh i I never i didn't
3: always think of it that way yeah same (sighs) Wow, growing with age, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> uh, we've got to take another quick break, but we'll come back for more. Ooh.
0: Me.
1: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
0: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
1: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this, I ain't no skill.
1: Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want
0: to be remembered. For just being
2: me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May
1: 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect.
4: Yeah, do you have anything
3: else to say about Wendy specifically? So in addition to being, um, you know, abused and gaslit by Jack, there is a a brief moment where she's kind of lied to and gaslit by Mr. Halloran. It's not as nefarious, but it's the scene where... Careful, um,
4: Halloran Stan over here. Oh, sure, (laughs) sure, sure.
3: Um, He keeps calling Danny Doc. And she's like, how did you know we call him Doc? And he's like... Oh, I don't know. I probably just heard you say it. And Wendy, who is smart and resourceful mm. and attentive, is like, "Well, yeah, we do call him that, but I'm pretty sure I didn't mm. say that in front of you." And he was just mm. like, Psh.
4: "I don't know, though. Maybe you did." She calls him on it, and then I don't know. I'm I'm Halloran Hive over here. Uh, <laughs> just she yes. I don't think that's like explicit. Yeah, I didn't have a big problem with it, but it just kind of And we found out right after why. Right. He's He's like,
0: you want some ice cream? And then we found out immediately.
4: Right. Because otherwise he's sitting Wendy down being like, well, here's the thing. I'm psychic. (laughs) I know it doesn't make sense. Your son's also psychic.
3: Tony is real. Like his options are limited in that moment. For sure. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't really bother me. But I was like, oh, wow. Every man in this movie is lying to Wendy. (laughs) Cool. Yes. Uh, but since we're talking about Mr. Halloran, yes. uh,
4: I think that it is worth discussing the way this movie treats race as well as uh, Native American culture. Yes, I uh, agree. I don't think that, I mean, and again, we are three white ladies <gasps> sitting in a room, um, so any outside perspective is please. Yes. Um, But I I mean, I didn't think that it was handled especially well, starting with the whole. I mean, part of what is distracting from the metaphor of the cycle of abuse and addiction and all that is the throwaway mention that it's built on a quote unquote Indian burial ground. Yes. Which, from what we can tell, has Literally, not. it's just to it's just to make it seem like oh the hotel is haunted, Right. Haunted. but the haunting has nothing to do
3: with Native Americans. No, absolutely not even a little bit. Uh, right. There's also the line, um, per the movie, built on an Indian burial ground, and the builders had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it. I don't know how common of a thing this is in Stephen King books, but I'm pretty sure it also is the case for Pet Cemetery. Where, like, that oh, was, like, yep. another, yeah. like, indigenous yes, yes. burial ground. And then when you bury your, you know, children in it, they'll come back uh, as, you know, scary, possessed children um so as scary cats (laughs) that's exactly i haven't seen the movie (laughs) is Um, that right it's sick in the head which goes without saying perpetuates negative ideas about indigenous people and cultures Mm -hmm. and just kind of an altogether disregard for
4: what that means, means at all At all. Right. Like, I I like I think that it's like I would wager to guess that Stephen King gave very little consideration and was I mean and and he sort of does this with Mr. Halloran as well of just attributing magic to mm-hmm. non-white people and as a plot device right Um, and I
3: think that Mr. Halloran is treated in much the same way right yeah I think he could very easily fall into like the magical Negro stereotype trope that exists in lots of fiction.
4: It's still a prevalent trope today. Mm -hmm. uh, For everyone who's seen both seasons of Big Little Lies, there was a major issue with that trope on Big Little Lies two months ago. Mm -hmm. So it is not something that... um, I mean, it's more likely to be identified and called out now, but it's still... Mm gets signed off on by a lot of people um oh yeah I think that that definitely is I the the one thing that is at least is like the narrative function works where he and Danny need to communicate for the plot to work but it's we Mm -hmm. know nothing else about him other than he's psychic he knows about the Shining. He sort of, almost seems to exist out of time, right? Uh, and he
3: has a lot of uh, naked posters in his bedroom, <laughs> right? Which is a weird joke. Yeah, <laughs> Just like because right, the movie, like, very, and... very deliberately frames it so that you Two. can see these posters And both walls. And maybe that's commentary about something. I I can't wrap my head around couldn't, that. couldn't, couldn't, but I, <laughs> God, we don't know. We don't know. The Halloran Hive. Uh, we. <laughs> we're, we're
4: we're okay with it, but, it's, uh, you know, it's like he's whatever. Right. I don't know. But I do think that the movie's explicit choice to kill him off is also a very tropey horror thing because that yep. doesn't happen in the books. And there's such a, like, well-tracked record of, I mean, like a black person being the first to die oh, yes. in a horror movie. And Mr. Halloran is the only, only person who... Die? The only innocent person right. who dies. Right, right, right. Even though he's basically... Like he and Wendy together are the heroes of the story, and mm-hmm. they managed to save Danny. And then
0: he's still fucking why couldn't Kubrick the let bucket, him move yeah. to
4: Maine like he does in the book? Right, the Halloran Hive has spoken. Yeah,
3: <laughs> was he written in the book, uh, Corey as black? Do yes. you remember? Okay, yes. so at least yes. they didn't, I guess, whitewash that character, but even so, killing him off was a mistake. We also yeah. should talk about the scene in which. Jack and Mr. Grady, who is, like, acting as kind of like a butlery type of person, are in the bathroom. And the N-word gets dropped several times by both of them. And Mr. Grady is basically saying, like, hey, Jack, keep an eye on that family of yours because they're being troublesome. And also your son, he's got this talent and he's using it to try to bring in an outside party. And then they start talking about Mr. Halloran. Mm -hmm you drop the n word, the slurs. They do, yeah. Which I think is the characters being racist and not the movie being racist, but also 1980. It's hard yeah, I was gonna to say it's, uh, yeah.
4: it's a very
0: fine line with that one.
4: <laughs> I don't think that. I mean, I don't know. I see what you're saying though, because I don't think that they would have had Wendy say that. Definitely not. Yeah. I don't think.
3: But I, I don't know. 1980. It's it's hard to know. Hard to know. Yeah. Um. But I think because those characters are framed as they're both uh, axe both murderers axe murderers yes yeah. so they're like they're framed as being uh horribly racist and horribly misogynist because yeah. again mr grady's like yeah my wife was causing problems and so were my daughters so i killed them because i hate women and also uh i hate the women in your family jack so you should probably kill her too it's
4: harder yeah it's harder i mean it's hard no matter what yeah but in the movie i feel like it sucks more because then the only black character in the movie has such an abrupt end that sure. wasn't intended for them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, again, it's like Kubrick does not handle race well in this movie. Yeah, and if there's if there's anything uh, we missed, please uh, let us know. Again, three white ladies in a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, something that I wanted to talk a little bit about, Danny, and how... The read of the this movie that we've been discussing, I don't know. Like it, it, it hit for me like kind of different this time. Thank you so much. Uh, I was trying to like work my way around not saying that, and then I just ended up there anyways. Put it in the cordon packet, It, it's gold. It's good. But when you're watching it as like. A little boy who is dealing with an addicted parent mm. versus a little boy who's Ooh. dealing with oh, a god ghost hotel. Like that that <laughs> scene, that one long scene with him and Jack Nicholson, is
3: so scary. Oh my god! When he's sitting on his lap,
4: horrifying. Uh, yes. Yeah, and that that kid actor, he, I think he I retired. Can. He is now a biology professor in Kentucky.
3: No kidding. Danny Lloyd. Oh.
4: Yeah, I had the good sense to get out of this. Professor town. Lloyd. Professor Lloyd to you. Incredible. Um, so good for him. But he does, he gives a great performance in, mm-hmm. in this movie. And like that scene, especially of just the way that an addict parent talks to their children. And you can tell, I mean, Jack is kind of already pretty far gone by mm-hmm. the time that scene happens because he's just staring at himself in the mirror when Danny gets there. <laughs> 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 it's a metaphor. <clears throat> uh, but just the way that he tries to reassure Danny that nothing's going to happen to him. Yeah. And you can tell that Danny wants to believe that. But also he knows that it's not. Okay,
0: heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. really heartbreaking. Like, yes. You know,
4: because th- of three years ago. And so that scene, especially like I watched it twice this time because it was just like, oh, like when when you're when you're not thinking of it as just like, oh, haunted hotel movie. It's, like, heartbreaking mm-hmm. for that kid. and Soul-crushing.
0: And you can feel it inside of you. It's really crazy. I, yeah. I mean, I can. I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's my own shit, but damn, heartbreaking. No, yeah. same. I was just like, oh, fuck. We're like, okay, we get it. But please get us over. Do I call oh. my dad? Like, 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 uh, oh also, my that
3: scene yeah. cuts away before we see like Danny getting up off his lap and leaving. so I my theory is that that's when Jack Jack chokes him chokes in. there's no doubt. yeah, wow. yeah, there's okay. an absolutely no that's the thing is like, yeah, there's no
4: ghost a ghost did not choke Danny <laughs> no. no, um, which is why I am while understanding and empathizing with her, you know, role in this very abusive relationship, I'm frustrated when, you know, that she would even think like, Oh, there's some lady here who choked him yeah. when my husband with a track record of hurting my son right. is just here like, oh, I don't know. Oh, like, he did it to himself. I and I understand the dynamic of self preservation, yeah. but it's like right. oh. oh yeah, he it's clearly hard to watch. It's it. so fucking hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Uh, but I mean I guess that just means that they're doing a good job, but
3: <laughs> oh, it was it was hard. That's also why the scene where she sees the furry giving a blowjob really Random. bugs me because it's like well, that kind of, like, pokes a hole in the metaphors that I feel like the, you know, movie and narrative does are she, trying does to... Does she see ghosts in the
0: book? Yeah, but just not a furry... Not a furry. A That's interesting. Yeah. That's,
4: like, I, I want... Because I saw... But I also I
0: mean... don't think it says, like, extreme. Like, the, mm. like, like, every... Like, I, don't, I feel like the whole haunting, actual haunting part isn't as extreme, extreme in the book.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... I I think it is like an interesting choice that she also starts to see things. Here's here's my galaxy brain read of it: is it's just I, I feel like if we're going with the ghosts or a metaphor for being in in a family unit with an addict who refuses to get help, mm-hmm. right? That it like is. Contagious in the way it affects people. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't even think Jack isn't even the first person to like see where a she's ghost. Going with this. I see, I see where right? you're going. Danny is the first person to see ghosts because mm-hmm. he is the most. He's the most physically affected. He's he's shining, <laughs> um, but it, he's like the most. He's been the most directly traumatized and by susceptible it and has, for
0: as a child. Yeah, yeah,
4: and has like the fewest coping mechanisms, right. and so like mm-hmm. him seeing a ghost first. Makes
0: sense plus children Um, do see ghosts because they are more susceptible to it in general children are just more susceptible (laughs) you can read it there's studies on it anyway so
4: yeah i i mean obviously it is our halloween episode i think Mm. we should just say right off the bat uh ghosts exist obviously
3: (laughs) there's studies on it i just i was talking
4: about it in the car last night and like and we were like clearly but for the sake of this story, uh, I th- yeah, like, I think the ghost is a metaphor for how addiction affects everyone in a unit. And I also think it makes sense that Wendy sees it last because she is the one who is trying the hardest not to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> but then she
0: sees it at the end. Jamie is and so brilliant. No. And I don't mean it in a sarcastic Sorry. way. I was so smart. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, but I – but so – why she sees a furry i'm like that's maybe a her thing
0: we don't know yeah why are we shaming tonight
4: because it's like we are seeing like all the ghosts are i don't think anyone's thinking about it this hard but like all the ghosts are do seem to appear specific to the person they're appearing to danny sees other kids because that's what he'll be most receptive to right jack sees hot lady because he's a horny (laughs) idiot
0: Mm. wendy Wendy sees A furry giving a blowjob. Because that's what that's thing. So she's maybe we're given background thing. information yeah. about her. Maybe we, we are, Maybe we do learn
4: something about her other than she's a woman. Oh, the little freak she's bitch. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a, a furry. Bitch. She's a furry. <laughs> Wendy oh. Torrance. Wife, mother,
3: furry. That was on her gravestone. <laughs> Closet furry.
0: There's a difference.
3: Well, the other thing, too, is that, uh, like women, children are often not believed so yes. the fact oh, that yes, like absolutely. he, you know Danny's seeing things and for him to be like I was strangled and mm-hmm. like everyone's kind of making excuses and trying to justify okay well who, who did this to him and what's happening and there's like so much ambiguity around it I think is telling of the fact that like children have a tendency to not be believed mm-hmm. yeah. uh, another thing I wanted to talk about briefly is there is a tendency in I would say especially horror movies mm-hmm. and it's often like the final girl that ends up this being the case for or just mostly any female character but when she has to put up a fight or defend herself this potentially will sound victim blaming so I just want to acknowledge that right off the bat but there's also a tendency or working things out in real time or, yeah working yep. things out in real time well, here's what I'll say when especially a female character in a movie has an opportunity to kind of get back at her attacker. Maybe like somehow they got knocked unconscious or they're... um, they're... (laughs) Spooky! (laughs) Leave it in. Or they're like incapacitated in some way. Uh, Like this just happened in that movie Ready or Not, which I did watch and did thoroughly enjoy. But there's a few different moments where uh, the female protagonist of that movie has an opportunity to like kill someone who was trying to kill her by either like running them over with a car or like shooting them with a gun or like doing something the with some weapon that ending, she has yeah. at sure. her disposal and she doesn't do that and then instead like she's just like I'm just gonna get away and because she didn't kill mm-hmm. that person that person gets back up and then tries to kill her some more. <laughs> and that the really... ending
0: of the second Strangers <laughs> is what got to yeah yeah. they oh, do yeah. it all the time but the ending of that one I was like Jesus fucking Christ Okay,
3: but I would argue for Wendy in
4: this one where she From what we know, and we don't know enough about her, Mm -hmm. which is like a central Kubrick King, whatever everyone's fault, everyone's fault. (laughs) I'm not saying Kubrick's a king. I'm sorry, I I meant Stephen King. Okay, Kubrick, Kubrick, my king. (laughs) Uh, That from what we know, she has been kind of societally and personally forced to define herself by this man for, let's just say, her entire adult life. Sure, right, and so I, I understand her reticence to murder him also we know that no one's going to believe
3: her if- well, so my point was going to be that I like that she first she bonks him over the head knocking him unconscious Donk. and then I think in other movies <laughs> thank you for that sound effect <laughs> I think in other movies she just would have like left him there on the landing of the stairs and then like just tried to do something but the fact that she then drags him and locks him in a room that he can't get out of even though he somehow did um Like, I really like that. And then when he is chopping down the door later, the fact that she, like, stabs him in the hand, I was like, go, Wendy. Yes, like, he's trying to kill you. Try to kill him back. It seems, like, strategic, too, where, like, it's clear she doesn't want to kill him. Right. And it's
4: clear that like in a lot of abusive relationships she has some love for him right Um, of course even though she knows he's a monster and so it's i i I kind of like that it's like she doesn't want to kill him she's doing what she needs to do to protect herself and her son and she's she's like if that means locking you in here and then having someone come back and arrest you great right yes you know and so yeah. yeah can we talk about the use of the naked ladies yes so, I I mean, I think that this is, like, one of the more obvious glaring, like, come mm-hmm. on, things where, I mean... I guess given what we know about Jack, it's not super surprising that he's a lecherous creep. Right. Right. Because he's clearly not interested in self-improvement <laughs> uh, or people's boundaries. Nope. So I, I, I'm not even really commenting on that as much as just the way that the movie okay. seems to feel about. Like Stanley Kubrick has a pretty well-documented history of like women as props. Yeah. So does all movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, But this is like pretty, pretty aggressively, you know, where we see the young woman versus the old woman. And it's very much like, oh, the young woman is hot, silent, horny, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need to know anything about her. Mm -hmm. And then the second you see like an old woman, Mm -hmm. uh, it's complete body horror, disgusting. To be completely
0: fair, she is rotting. But besides (laughs) that, I get where you're coming from on all ends, but she is rotting
4: but i feel like that there that's like couched so, yeah, in some absolutely, shit absolutely of like how people view older women, women. older absolutely. women are rarely shown on screen
3: as hot or, or at love. all or pe- yeah. right first of all at <laughs> all at all and if they are there yeah. certainly not like viable yeah. romantic people this is a this is a plug for grace and frankie <laughs> this is for gloria though. i mean, <laughs> love yeah. oh
4: yeah
0: this is a gloria ad. uh
4: <laughs> but yeah i mean watch grace, grace and frankie. frankie to see sexy hot older women <laughs> mm-hmm. getting fucked getting all the time down getting honestly <laughs> <laughs> uh but but yeah i mean i just like i mean that's i think one of the more obvious critiques of this movie but like come on
3: right yeah I think that's all I had. Did anyone have any other thoughts about the film? I no, wish. That was all I had. Does it pass the Bechdel test? No.
0: <laughs> not even a no. little bit. I was considering it, and then <laughs> you know, after <laughs> you guys spoke. Uh, no, was, <laughs> yeah, and no, absolutely not. No. Uh,
3: the only scene where two female characters talk at all is when the two Grady twins ask Danny if they want to play with him. Right.
4: Oh, and I wanted to mention that that is, and he like, it wasn't like a steal, it was a borrow, Mm -hmm. but um, Kubrick took that image from a Diane Arbus photo, who's like a famous feminist, very pro-LGBTQ plus photographer, Mm -hmm. and he saw like a picture she took of uh, twins and like that direct image Uh, Is in the movie. Interesting. So Arbus representation, and it was, and it wasn't even, and it wasn't like I'll I'll give Kubrick credit of like he attributed that to her. So. That's fun. If only we had known about their interests.
3: Their names, even. What are their names? What are their names? What are... Well, they like
4: to play, and they like to wear the same dress. So we already know more about them than we do about Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm.
3: So, um, yes, think. does not pass Makes? the Bechtel <laughs> test. No! Let's rate it on our nipple scale, 0 to 5 nipples, based on its representation of women. This is hard. Um, This is really hard, because... On one hand, I don't know how harsh you guys uh, you judge it. We're, these days, really, we're, we're pretty harsh.
0: I want to say like one. I want to go two nips, but then I feel like you guys are like one nip. No, what, I was. What my two nips is is your guys is one nip in my opinion. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was I honestly going to go
4: two, two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm going to go two on this one, and that with the kind of I think probably keeping in mind that we're giving the movie maybe be a little bit too much credit. Sure. Based on the read that we have talked about today. Ch- chosen to take. <laughs> based on the revisionist history we have put upon it. But no, I mean, I think that like, I think that a lot of the criticism leveraged against Wendy's character, even like five or six years ago, wasn't taking into consideration the dynamics of the relationship and that it she's clearly a victim in this relationship. And mm-hmm. it's super clear that she needs to, you know, survive without help. She's not believed. I think that there's there's like more than some critics of her character are giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it's most of her decisions for me make sense inside of the fucking nightmare that she's. <gasps> it's Aristotle. <laughs> um, so I think I think that um, especially for and and also this is the second Stephen King story we've covered. On this, we covered Carrie. Oh, right. No. Um, and I think that he deals with this uh, female character far better than he treats Carrie. Yes. Um, and so in terms of, I mean, even growth of, uh, of, I'm always pleasantly surprised when a man manages to write a female character thoughtfully at all. Uh, and I don't agree with a lot of Kubrick's adaptations. I agree with none of the ways that he like treated his performers.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, but
4: yeah. On the strength of Wendy being, like, a very tragic but ultimately victorious example of a woman in an abusive relationship, it gets two nipples from me, and I'm giving them to Mr. Halloran. Very good. Twist. (laughs) Who
3: lives in my version. Yes. And the canonical version. Jesus Christ. There's a line in the movie that Mr. Grady says— telling jack after he's been locked in the pantry mr grady is like that wife of yours is stronger than we thought she seems resourceful so he even <gasps> even the acknowledges- axe murderer
4: acknowledges her strength, <laughs> her strength. <laughs> and her power
3: um Brave. So, yes,
4: he's an icon.
3: The The lens through which I chose to watch the movie this time in, in terms of it being a story about Wendy, you know, struggling through this abusive relationship and trying to save herself and her son. That read lends itself, I think, yeah, like a two and a half nipple rating, because even so, we still don't really know anything about her Character and it's a long movie. It's the two? version I watch is two hours long. Although according to IMDb, there's a two and a half hour a two version. Two and a half two. hour version. Have to say, I think refuse. I watched that one mm. on accident. Oh really? <laughs> <All the time. gasps>
0: Someone has no attention span. That's a long um, So
3: there's a there's time to get to know her a little bit better. Anything yes. as, uh, outside of her role as a wife and a mother,
4: and as well as the way this movie treats other cultures, races, etc. Right. Is-
3: not Universally okay. bad. Yeah, but the fact that we do see her—I mean, in the context of this story, we do see her being the one who's like taking care of the upkeep of the hotel. She like knows how to use a radio. I don't fucking know how to use a radio. I don't know how to check a boiler. Well, that speaks more She's, to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I'm saying like she she knows how to do this stuff. All the emotional labor of like handling her husband's responsibilities and then also being pretty much the sole caregiver of their son and all that all this different stuff and the fact that she does like fight back and she is triumphant in the end i do enjoy uh but i also think the movie is far more interested in showing us jack's mental unraveling than it is showing us anything about wendy's character because there are long stretches of time where we don't see wendy at all and the movie is just overall far more focused on jack so yeah we can we can do better on on a a 2019 version of a story like this i'm interested well i'm interested also in seeing how the uh doctor sleep Sleep, doctor starring who does it who's the actor in that movie jamie
4: Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Ewan? Ewan. Ewan. I said Ewan, Ewan. again. Ewan. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> I, I, I'm interested in seeing it
3: mm-hmm. and Same. how it deals with uh, trauma, like how it deals with trauma in an adult from childhood. Yes, indeed. Wow. Okay. So two and a half nipples. I'm going to give uh, two to Wendy. And then um, my half nipple is split between the Grady twins. <laughs> Brave and gross. Yes. Uh, Brave and disgusting. Corey. Uh, two two nipples. Who
0: are you okay. giving them to? I've given one to Wendy and one to Danny. 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 For having to deal with any you of that win. bullshit. <laughs> Hooray.
3: I do. Uh Corey, thank you so much for being yes. here. Thank, thank you. you for
0: having someone like me on this. But
4: you are a bit you've been so hard on yourself. Okay. I have sciatica. I had to deal with that
0: today. Okay, and so I'm in, a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood for my sciatica. No, I'm in a good mood and I'm really happy to be here. I'm just saying.
3: We okay. love you. It's gotten so
4: dark in this room. Yes. Scary.
0: <laughs>
3: Corey, what would you like to plug and where can people find you online? Yeah. You can find me online uh, on Twitter at
0: Corey T. Johnson because obviously Corey Johnson was taken and mm-hmm. the T stands for Taylor. I guess that's all I have.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah, Wonderful. Corey. Has a great Twitter. You can follow us at Bechtelcast on all the social media places. You can subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon. It's five dollars a month and it gets you two bonus episodes every month. That's at patreon.com slash You can go to our merch store, tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And uh hey, it's not too late to get your feminist icon Beetlejuice t-shirt you can get your wet scabs and dry scabs t-shirts as well uh, to sport all year round (laughs) and then get out there and don't do all work and no play give yourself some play don't be a dull person absolutely not okay bye there are some things that are too good to keep a secret
0: like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip